I'm going to begin a new series today, a generosity series. Everybody say generosity. Everybody say be generous. Poke your neighbor say don't be stingy. Be generous. <laughs> We're going to have some fun with this. Uh, turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Deuteronomy 15. Uh, it's a matter of the heart. And don't forget version. Uh, you version. Uh, you, version is so awesome. I, I love version. You can save the notes. You can read them. You can save, write on them. You can save them. Whatever you want to do. And you can refer back to them later. It helps. So helpful. Uh, one last thing about the Honduras missions trip. Next uh, summer, we're going to be going. And uh, Tracy's going to help lead that. Where is Tracy? Oh, there he is. Tracy, wave at everybody. He's right there. Just wave your hand. So wave them just like you just don't care. Hey, Amen. Wave them up high. Wave them in the air. Hey, Amen. Yeah, I'm so. As long as it gets. <laughs> well, stand on the chair, brother. Come on. <laughs> but uh, he's got some information for you. We'd love to have you do that. All right. Uh, it's a matter of the heart. Everybody say it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Deuteronomy chapter 15. And we're going to be again reading in verse 1 and go through verse 15. If you got it, shout out a good amen. 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 At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release of debts. And this is the form of his release. Every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it. He shall not require it of his neighbor or his brother because it is called the Lord's release. Of a foreigner, you may require it, but you shall give up your claim to what is owed by your brother. Except when there be, may, may be no poor among you, for the Lord will greatly bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess as an inheritance. Only if you carefully obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe with care all these commandments which I command you today. For the Lord your God will bless you just as he promised you. How many found that to be so? You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. That's what we're trying to teach you with financial peace. You can become the lender, not the borrower. Amen? You shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you. If there is any among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, Whatever he needs. Beware lest a wicked thought in your heart saying. The seventh year the year of release is at hand. And your eye be evil against your poor brother. And you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you. And it becomes sin among you. You shall surely give to him. And your heart should not be grieved. Poke your neighbor and say don't be grieved when you give. God said your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works. And in all to which you put your hand. When you give to those God directs you to. He said he's going to bless all the work of your hands. For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore I command you saying. You shall open your hand wide to your brother. To your poor and your needy. Does it say and you if you feel good today. You shall open your hand wide to your brother. And to the poor and your needy in your land. I, I give you a suggestion. To you know take care of those that are in need. Is that what it says? He says I what? If he commands us, then why do many in the church hold tightly to themselves? If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, in verse 12 and 13, is sold to you and serves you six years, then in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you, and when you send him away from you, you shall not let him go away empty-handed. You shall supply him liberally. Everybody say liberally. liberally. Generously from your flock. 
for your, uh, from your threshing floor, from your wine press, in other words, from wherever you have, for what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. You shall remember, this is why we give, that you are a slave in the land of Egypt. In other words, you need to remember, he's telling to the children of Israel and ultimately to us today, you need to remember what it's like to not be saved. I saved you, therefore the Lord God redeemed you, therefore I suggest to you this thing today. Therefore, I hope that you'll listen and we'll see what happens. He says, therefore, I what? Two times he said, I command you to do this thing. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your presence, which is here. We have come and prayed and sought you. And now we ask you to settle in here even stronger in our midst. God, anoint my words to not be my own, but every word straight from the throne of God into our hearts. God, anoint me to preach your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. Lord, I ask you to let this seed fall in the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. Let it bring forth action. In the precious and mighty name of Jesus, we lift up to you our nation. God, we need a revival in America, and I pray you bring it. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hold your Bibles up in whatever form you have, and let's pray. Father, today. This week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. High five, two or three people and tell them be generous. The guy dies and uh, he goes to heaven and he's getting a tour of heaven. And as he's walking around, kind of getting used to the place, he sees a buddy go by in a Mercedes Benz. And he looks and he says, wow. He says, he's got a Mercedes. It's incredible. Simon Peter says, oh, yes. Your friend was very generous on earth. We had a lot to work with. You see, your transportation up here depends on your generosity down there. He says, let me give you your ride. It was a Honda motor scooter. He said, what? So are you kidding me? My buddy gets a Mercedes Benz and I get a Honda motor scooter. He said, well, it's all we had to work with. It's as generous as you were. Man, he drove off on his little scooter in a huff. And about a week later, he was all smiles. Simon Peter came up and he says, well, he says, I see the smile on your face. He says, are you feeling better? He said, yes. Ever since I saw my preacher go by on a skateboard. You know how it works. God begins to deal with someone about giving tithes and you say, oh, I can't do that. And then you finally get past the tithe hurdle and then he says, okay, I want you to give some offerings above that. And you say, okay, God, you're pushing it way too far. But then God begins to deal with you with a, a big, big, ginormous offering one day. And all of a sudden your heart starts beating. And cold sweat comes, breaks out on your, on your forehead. You try to catch your breath. You begin to shake and your knuckles get white. And you say, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Your heart begins to pump. When preachers start preaching on giving. And tithing. 
Look, your chairs might be pulsating right now. <laughs> Careful how tight you grip your neighbor's hand. You might cut the circulation off. <laughs> when you go to a doctor for an annual checkup, they'll begin to poke and prod and they'll, does this hurt? Does this hurt? And does this hurt? You know, if you're like me, you just want to turn around and say, I don't know. You tell me, does that hurt? And and does this hurt? Does this hurt? Does this hurt? And all of a sudden, they hit a spot and someone goes, oh. Now, either one of two things has happened. Either the doctor has pushed too hard without the right sensitivity or most likely there's a problem there. And he which you'll say, hey, uh, we need to run some more tests because it's not supposed to hurt there. When preachers such as myself come before you and we preach on a series of giving and finances, and tithing, and members begin to cry out in pain, and they begin to be very angry with the message, and even the messenger, one of two things has happened. Either the preacher has pushed too hard without the right sensitivity, or my friend, we need the great physician to do some more tests, because it's not supposed to hurt there. Generosity is not the bad news or the tough news Generosity is the great news. Generosity is all about how good God has been to us. Amen. Larry Burkett said it this way. And this, is, this just blows me away. The average Christian pays more in interest than he gives to the Lord's work. Wow. In a church of 100 families, 37 will give nothing. Wow, that's incredible to me. See, generosity is not about raising money. Generosity is about raising disciples who become more like God. Someone say amen. The great misunderstanding is that the thought to have more is to hold on tightly. Golda Meir said, you can't shake hands with a clenched fist. I mean, what does a clenched fist represent? Anger, right? Right, so someone cuts you off in traffic. You come around beside them. You look over. When they get good you know, eye contact and you do this number, what are you letting them know? <laughs> Hopefully you do a fist and not one finger, but you, you let them know, I'm not happy, right? What, is a, what, is a, what does this do? This lets you know I'm not happy. I'm angry. And, and here's what happens. When we don't give and we're not generous, a closed fist, yes, nothing can go out, but also nothing can come back in. A closed fist represents a closed spirit. Whereas open hands represents an open spirit. My question is, which would you rather walk in? Captain Levy, a a believer from Philadelphia, a very successful businessman, was once asked, how do you give so much and still possess such great worth? He said, oh, I'll tell you how. He said, as I shovel it out, God shovels it in. Only God has a bigger shovel. How many has found that to be so? Uh, Many, many in this room. Antoine Riveroli said, there are men who gain from their wealth only the fear of losing it. You and I are stewards of God's money. Stewards are managers, they're not owners. Webster's defines, dictionary defines a steward as one who manages another's financial affairs or property. So let's say I own a McDonald's and Jake, you work for me or my manager at McDonald's. And I come to you the night before and I say, Jake, here's what we're going to do tomorrow. Tomorrow, the first two hours of the day we're open, we're giving everyone free Egg McMuffins. Do you care? 
No, it ain't your Egg McMuffin, is it? I'm the one giving away free stuff. In fact, you're probably excited about it. Man, we're going to put a banner out there. You're going to call friends and family. Hey, the first two hours, everybody gets free Egg McMuffins. Why would you be excited? It's not yours. It's not a problem to you because it's not you, you don't own it. You're just a steward of it. When we view our finances and our resources, our talents, our lives as belonging to God, it shouldn't matter to us whatever God says give because it's not ours. And if you think it's yours, take your last breath on earth and I'll prove to you it's not yours. It's like the one guy, he had a treasure chest full of gold and precious items. And he said, he was dying and he said, I want you to put it in the attic. So when I die in my bed on my way up, I can grab it and head to heaven. Well, he died and his family had forgotten about it for a few months. And finally, one of the kids said, hey, mom, what about dad's treasure chest? She said, well, I don't know. Let's go find out. And sure enough, it was still in the attic, and all the items were still in there. And one of the kids looked at the mom and said, well, maybe he should have put it in the basement. (laughs) See, we're like a bank. If you put $1,000 in the bank today, and two months from now, you went to the bank to draw out your $1,000, what would you do if the banker said, well, uh, we spent it? You did what? You'd be calling the law. You'd be calling lawyers. You'd be doing everything you can. I'm going to sue you. That money did not belong to you. What do you think God does when he blesses us with everything we have? The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from him. And he says, hey, I need you to give this $300 to this ministry over here. And you say, well, sorry, God's meant it. If we would look at a bank and say, you've lost your mind... I think God has every right to say, what in the world? Everything you have, I've given you. I don't ask for everything, just a little bit. Is this still good preaching? Amen. If we view our belongings and our money and our lives as stewards, then we're not giving our money away anyway. When you start being the owner, it messes with your emotions. And when emotions get involved, that's when everything gets out of whack. If you keep the manager's hat on... And you keep your emotions in check. Guess what? You will get everything else in your life will generally stay in check. How many found that to be Sue? You see, we manage God. We need to manage his money wisely. Andrew Carnegie said it this way. The the wealthy steel magnet of the 1900s, early 1900s. He said, surplus wealth is a sacred trust to be managed for the good of others. So why does God tell us to give so often? Did you know that there are close to 850 scriptures in the Bible regarding money or possessions? In the New Testament alone, let me just shock you with this. In the New Testament alone, Jesus Christ spoke more about money or possessions than he did love. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, one out of six verses deals with a person's money and their possessions. 16 of the 29 different parables Jesus spoke on, he spoke about money and or possessions. How many of you think that's important? God doesn't tell us to give money uh, or, or to give because he wants our money. God doesn't tell us to give because the church needs it or whatever, other, all these other reasons. God tells us to give because giving makes us more Christ-like. Giving is a matter of the heart. It's a heart issue, not a money issue. In messages like this, this is not about money or resources. This is about our hearts. Where is our heart? Missionary Jim Elliott said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. 
See, a spiritually mature person, Christian, gives. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And you can read the rest later. But my, my point is this. We are made in the image of God. And God is the greatest giver there's ever been. God gave His Son in Jesus Christ when we didn't deserve it. He has blessed us with food and shelter. And we have an overabundance of, and especially those of us here in America. We have more than what we need and then some. He has blessed us liberally and generously. How many would agree with that? God is a huge giver. And John 3.16 says He's a giver. And we cannot be Christ-like if we don't give. If we're going to be like God, then we have to be givers and servers. Someone shout amen. See, giving changes you and I permanently. Giving moves us from being less selfish to selfless. And people that are less selfish usually have their priorities in order. They're usually better spouses, better parents, better uh, uh, workers, better bosses. You name The list goes on and on. They're better people because they get their priorities in order. That's how important giving and serving is. Giving is a matter of the heart. J.L. Kraft from Kraft Cheese said this way, The only investment I ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money I have given to the Lord. Because we are designed to be in God's image and we are designed in God's image, we are happiest and most fulfilled when we are serving and giving. When we are pouring out. When you coach the little ball team, the little league ball team, or you, or Mother Teresa, or you, the list could go on and on. The volunteer for some organization. When you're giving of yourself, that's when you're going to feel the greatest. Giving is all about the heart. It is a matter of the heart. Everybody say it's about the heart. Givers usually live a life of peace and deep satisfaction and have real joy of living. They're usually happy. And that leads me to my first point, and that is it, this. Deal with a selfish heart. Everybody say deal with a selfish heart. In verse 7 and 8, basically in Deuteronomy 15, your Bible basically says, Jesus, uh, God is speaking, and He says, hey, when you see a brother that has a need, or basically when you see someone in need, He says, I, I expect you to open your life and help that person. Help that person. Give. How do I get to the place where I can give like God gives? Because God is a generous giver, right? So verse 9, he says, don't let a wicked thought come in your heart saying, I don't, I'm not going to lend to my brother. Basically, here's what happened. Every seven years, there was a year of release. And so he, essentially, if a brother came along and says, man, I, you know, the crops have been bad this year. I, I don't have what I need to take care of my family. Can I borrow some money from you? And you say, sure, no problem. And you do that. And you go home and you say, wait a minute. It's only nine months to the year of release, but it's going to take him three years to pay me back, which means I'm going to be out two years and three months worth of money. I'm not sure I want to do that. You know what God said? He said, that's a wicked thought. He said, I expect you to do that as unto the Lord because I've blessed you with everything you have. He said, I expect you to give even if you're not going to get paid all the way back. Wow. Do you know why God invented giving? It's not because he's short on money to pay the mortgage in heaven. In fact, giving is not for God. Giving is for us. Giving deals with selfishness and greed in our lives. Selfish and greedy people are some of the most miserable people on earth. 
And some of the most happy, joy-filled people are the people that are generous and serve. The question is, which would you rather be? I'd rather be happy and filled with joy. And then, you know, there's a lot of preaching out there that does not hit the heart of the matter. And that is, our heart is the matter. And what they do is they preach to get. So they'll take Luke 6.38 and they'll say, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with a measure you will use, and it will be measured to you. In other words, give, 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 give to get, give to get, give to get, give to get. You, you sow this seed, you'll get more, you'll get more, you'll get more. And I'm sure God's sitting up in heaven going, oh, this is great. My children have learned the revelation of getting. We were born getters, but we're born again givers. We have a change in our DNA. Somebody shout Amen. One of the hardest lessons that we will ever teach our children is to share, right? You know, how many of you have had children, and, they, and they're especially brother or sister? Mine, 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 mine. And then, you know, little Johnny's hitting his sister in the head with the wooden car. Yeah, some of you are living that right now. I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but even when they're grown and in college, some of that doesn't change. Or they bring a friend over, and you do mine, mine, and, they're not, and you're trying to say, no, Johnny, you share, you share. No, 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 mine, mine, mine. Right? We all know that. You know, I don't like to share my food. i just be honest with you. Look, look, if, if all I got is enough money for one plate of food, then that's fine. You can have it all fast. But if I got enough money, I, I'm going to order my food and don't touch my food. I, I will buy you something to eat. I learned very early in my marriage not to trust Holly when she says, I only want one or two of your French fries. Yeah, the, oh, these are so good. These are so good. So if we, which we hardly ever go through a fast food, but if we do go through a fast food joint, and she says, I just want a couple of your fries. Give me two fries, please, because she's going to eat all mine, and then I don't get no French fries, right? So we all have that tendency, don't we, right? And, you know, growing up in my house, there was always plenty of people at the table. Sometimes my older brother's football friends, and they were much older. And you learned at a young age, get it on your plate and hover. And have a fork ready to stab at any moment. Don't mess with my food. How many know what I'm talking about, right? So we have to deal with a selfish heart. But the second point of the message is this. We have to deal with a grieving heart. Now, this is where the devil works sometimes, and we don't even realize it. God is saying in verse 10, he says, uh, don't grieve. When you do give to your brother, when you do give, don't grieve. Everybody say, when you give, don't grieve. Watch this. God is saying, don't grieve over giving, don't grieve over money. He's not talking about relationship here. He's talking about giving and in particular money. He is saying, if I can ever get your heart to change, I'll bless everything you touch. I'll bless your marriage. I'll bless your business. I'll bless your job. I'll bless your children. I'll bless every area of your life if I can just get your heart to change. Have you ever given something and it hurts your heart? You know, some people will give and, and they will hold in their heart, oh, that, I, oh, that hurt. You ever, you ever give something to the Lord? I mean a big offering. Or you made a pledge to some ministry and you and you you are all excited on Sunday. And Tuesday you found out you had to put a new roof on the house or your car engine blew. And you think 
Oh, if I wouldn't have gave all that money Sunday, I'd have me a car. God says that's grieving over your gifts. And he says don't grieve. See, life was going to happen anyways. <laughs> so now you've just given God the opportunity to do something about it. Watch this. And if you have phones, take pictures of this because you need to hear this. Are you ready? This is on the overhead. Selfishness attacks us before we give. Grief attacks us after we give. If the devil can't get you to quit giving beforehand, he's going to try to make you feel terrible about it afterhand. What he's going to say is, hey, I'm going to get you to hoard it up, and if you actually do give it, then I'm going to beat you down for giving it. Both are a trick of the devil. God dealt with one businessman's heart to give $50,000 to a project the church was doing. Boy, he was fighting God over it. He said, God, I don't know, I have $50,000. And man, it went back and forth. God says, trust me, pledge it to the church. You'll, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. And he walked out the back door, and he stood in his backyard. He looked up, and he said, well, it would have to fall out of the sky. Well, God began to deal, kept dealing with his heart, and finally he said, fine, fine. I'll pledge it. He pledged it. He turned it into the church Sunday. A few weeks later, he got a phone call from the airline industry. <laughs> it's a true story. It said this, we've been doing a study on the effects of airlines, airplanes flying over houses close to the airport. And we've discovered that your home has been negatively affected by this. And so we're sending you a check for $50,000 to compensate the negative of the noise pollution in your house. The Lord literally rained it from the sky. God will never ask you to give something that he won't provide for you to do that. Everybody say amen. See, don't grieve. Pete, you got any money on you? What do we got here? Five dollars. Jake? Have lunch on Pete. Ryan, have lunch on Pete. Wasn't that fun? Who's got a 10 or a 20? Anybody? 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 I'm not grieved by that. Why? It wasn't my money. That's serious. Don't give it back to him. That belongs to you now. Amen. I'm not grieved by that. Was that my money? Do I care? I'm excited. Anybody got a 20? I'll give it to somebody else. Praise God. This is fun today. I'm not grieved because it didn't belong to me. Anytime we grieve, when God asks us to give, it's because we thought that it was ours. And God says, no, it's mine. We don't own anything, folks. Let me just tell you this. We don't even own ourselves. The Bible says we were bought for a price with the precious blood of Jesus. You are either owned by the devil or you're owned by God. Folks, you don't even own yourself. We don't own anything. And if we grieve over giving, it's because we mistakenly thought it was ours. It belongs to God. Everybody say amen. amen. Psalm 24 and 1 says the earth is the whose? And what? Everybody say what? The world and all its people belong to who? Man, there's been so many times, Holly and I, God has dealt with us about a large gift. And there's been some times, I'm happy to report, we were excited. Yeah, God's in it. 
And then there were other times where, oh. And there were times we gave it and the, and the roof did go out or the car engine did blow. And we had that wicked thought that said, oh, if I had not given. And forgot that, wait a minute. God promises in his word that anything you give unto him, he does give back. Good measure, pressed down, shaking. That's not why we give. But God promises to give back to us when we lend to the poor. How many know what I'm talking about? Man, there is something about when you obey God, there's such a sense of peace, a sense of joy, a sense of excitement when we give as unto the Lord. Look, there's been times before, Holly and I, we've given away several cars. Not, not, not Mercedes Benz or nothing, and but not a hunk of junk jalopy either. Just something nice where we've blessed people with. God has led us to direct us to do that. And every time God has always given us way more. And we've been so excited to bless somebody with transportation. When that leads me to my third point and that is it, this. Develop a generous heart. Everybody say a generous heart. So we want to deal with a selfish and a grieving heart. But we want to develop a generous heart. Poke your neighbor and say develop a generous heart. In verse 14, your Bible says, when you see someone in need, give them liberally. Give them generously. Everybody shout generously. Watch what Luke chapter 6, verse 30 through 36 says. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Verse 33, and if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. Watch verse 35. Leave this up for just a moment. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting anything back. That's giving with the right heart. I'm going to give something to you, and I don't expect anything back. That's giving with the right heart. He goes on to say, and you, when you do that, then your reward will be great, which is great news for us. And you will be children of the Most High. In other words, when you give with the right heart, you're going to be like God. Hallelujah. Because watch this. He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Stop right there. That's us. God died for us when we were unthankful and ungrateful and we were sinners. Romans 5, 8 says he commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Folks, that's us. And what God is saying there is, hey, you are unthankful, you are ungrateful, you are hopelessly lost, and I saved you. I expect you to give without expecting anything in return because now you're going to be like me. Somebody shout amen. God is saying, I am generous, and you are my children, so when are you going to start giving generously like me? We call ourselves Christians in the area of giving. I think God is wanting to say, okay, when are you going to act like one and give generously? When are you going to become mature children? When are you going to share like me? When we come into church Sunday after Sunday and we say we're Christians and we never give and we never serve, we're like the three-year-old with a little truck that says, mine, 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 and I'm not sharing. And God is saying, wait a minute here. 
I need you to be full-grown adults, mature Christians, so that I can take your resources and you and win many souls in the community. That's what it's about. Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Wow. One pastor of the congregation went over to see his farmer, and he was talking over the fence to him, and he says, hey, Abe, he said, if I had 100 horses, would you give me 50? He said, certainly. He said, if you had 100 cows, would you give me 50? He said, sure. He said, Abe, if you had two pigs, would you give me one? He said, now cut that out, pastor. You know I got two pigs. Generosity sounds great in the abstract. We dream of giving all. Oh, if I win the lotto, I'm going to give all this money to the church. And God says, well, you ain't giving now. Why would I trust you with all that when I can't get you to give three pennies? Is this good preaching today? Y'all still love me? Oswald Chambers said it this way, with Christ, it's not how much we give, but what we do not give, that is the real test. Did you know the root word for miserable is miser? I looked up the word miser in the dictionary. One who hoards wealth and spends as little money as possible. Have you ever met a happy miser? They are what? leads me to my last point, and that is this. Develop a grateful heart. Deal with a selfish and a grieving heart. Develop a generous and a grateful heart. Everybody say grateful. Remember where you came from. You were hopelessly lost. God paid a bill for you you could not pay. If you were driving in a small town Americana and you got pulled over for speeding going five miles over the speed limit and they threw you in jail and they said, well, in our town, it's a billion dollar fine and you will stay in prison until your fine is paid. All of us in here could get all of our resources together that we had and never come up with that kind of money, right? And just as the... As, a, as you stand there and you say, but judge, I'm really, really sorry. And he says, well, I'm thankful that you're sorry, but the law is the law and there's punishment for breaking the law. And you say, but, but I'm, I'm, I didn't know. And he says, well, it's your job to know the rules of my town when you drive through it. And he says, but, but judge, you're, you're a good judge. He said, by calling me a good judge means that I honor and I obey and I enforce the law. So the fact you're calling me a good judge means I have to enforce this. And just as the gavel is about to hit the table, a man you don't know runs in with his checkbook and says, wait, wait. I've got the checkbook. I'm a multi-billionaire here. And he signs a check for a billion dollars, lays it at the judge's table and says, here, I've paid his fine. The judge would then look at you and say, well, you're free to go because the penalty has been paid. Folks, that is what Jesus Christ did for you and I in our sinful, fallen nature. We stood before a heavenly God and the devil said they've sinned, they're wrong. Throw 
throw the book at them. You're a good God, so you've got to judge by the law. And God said, you're right, but I've got a secret weapon. <laughs> I'm going to send my perfect son who is sinless to walk the earth, and he's going to die in their place. So that when now they come before me and say, God, have mercy on my soul, and they accept my son as Lord and Savior, I look at the devil and say, well, <laughs> the fine has been paid with the blood of my son. You are free to go. Woo! Hallelujah! That's what Jesus did. And Jesus is saying, God is saying, I've done that for you. Now you be generous to others. You be generous for the kingdom of God so that others can be forgiven of their sins and bought and paid for with the blood of Christ and they can be saved. Someone shout amen. amen. He said, I command you this day. He's, he ordered them to be generous. And he's commanding them based on the fact that they didn't have anything. He delivered them from Egypt and gave them everything they had. It'd be like you giving your, your child a $10 bill for something they did. They worked to earn it. And you say, okay, now $1 belongs to them. And they say, oh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> no dollar, I ain't got getting it all. Wait a minute. Son, you didn't have anything to start with. God gave you the $10. All he says is give him one. You still keep nine. Oh, no, no, no. Just as he gave us everything we had we have to be grateful in return. And to be grateful for what we have, we will give liberally because we know God is our source. But God, you don't understand my job. Look, your job is your resource. Your source is God. Your source never changes. Your resource at times does. God may say, well, you know, this ain't going to work out here no more. That's okay. I got one over here, and it's even better. And I got another one. And God will just keep blessing you and blessing you. You don't worry about your resource. You worry about God being your source. Somebody say amen. Sadie Sicker served for many years as a house parent for missionaries' children in the Philippines. And she loved books. And she would loan some of them out. But she had a few books that were precious to her. She wouldn't loan to anybody. She put them in a little trunk under her bed as a a treasure trove of books, and she left them there for some time. And then one night she's laying there, and she heard some gnawing and some scraping. And She got up, looked around the room to try to figure out where it's coming from, and then she realized it's coming from my, my treasured trunk. All the books I hold so dear to me. And she opened it up. All the books she had not shared with other people and kept privately closed in a trunk was nothing but, but a pile of dust that were eaten by rats and termites and totally destroyed. What we give away, we keep. And what we hoard, we lose. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Is God dealing with your heart about giving this morning? Do you need to step out in faith and trust God and begin tithing? Tithing is the first step. I'm going to preach at length about this next week and teach what tithing is. Every, every head bowed and every eye closed. Tithing is 10% of our income. 
It means if I make $100 today, God, God, $10, it belongs to God. And God is saying, I want you to tithe and give. I want you to start tithing. Maybe God is dealing with you to start regularly giving offerings above your tithes to certain ministries. Maybe God is speaking to you about giving a big offering. Maybe God is speaking to you about giving the greatest gift of all to Him, and that is yourself, your heart. Giving's a matter of the heart. And if you're here today and you think, oh, this hurts, and oh, I criticize this message and this messenger, let me remind you, it's not supposed to hurt there. We're going to pray at the end of our prayer time and music. I've got a short video I'm going to show you and explain some opportunities that you can have to stretch your faith. But I want you to think, have I given God my all? Have I truly given Him my whole life? Have I, uh, do I obey God and give Him His tithe? You know, do I give offerings when He nudges me to? Am I, am I like a miser to a certain degree where God says give and I say, oh, no, no, no. Losing thought of the fact that, hey, you know what? It don't belong to me anyway. It belongs to God. I'd like for you to do this. I'd like for you to take your time, this time, to just maybe get on your knees and put your elbows in the chair or, and turn your chair into an altar or sit right where you are or, or maybe put your knees on the ground and your, your head down towards the ground and just begin to pray. You know, there's a beautiful scripture in Psalm. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's a good thing to search your heart. Is my heart right? Am I giving as I should? Am I serving as I should? Where is my heart?